morning. Good morning once again. If I missed you earlier by chance, my name is Wayne, the pastor here at Downtown Community. And today on Mother's Day, we're going to be continuing a series we've been in called Choice. And we're looking at four uh, major principal decisions uh, that we face in our lives and learning to kind of address these foundations, these principles that affect all the little decisions you make in your life. And now, this has been an impactful series. Um, I love walking through these principles because uh, I need them <laughs> as much as anybody else. And so if anybody's getting thing out of this, if it's missed me, I'm good with that too. So just letting you know, um, I'm not like the full-on expert. I'm the one who's like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, so uh, we all need this. We need to hear this. And some of these things you know. Like maybe you've even, you've heard this, you've taught this. Some of this comes out like in your work life and principles but there's something that kind of likes to get in the way, and that's our heart. Like there's, there's, there's something about us that kind of walks away from the things that we know to do. And so we've talked about like surrender over control. We read scriptures that say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We learn to submit to him because we can trust him. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom, my kingdom, and, and, and everything else kind of falls under that. So we're learning to trust him. So we talked about the choice of surrender over control. Then last week we talked about the important over the urgent. And that's a really hard one to do. It takes, it takes a consistent discipline to learn to choose what's important over the urgent. Me personally, that's one that is uh, like I always have to be working on. And I find deeper ways and what's more important, what's more important. And so Jesus walked us through this, we walked us through in this incredible interaction that Jesus had last week that really focuses that. So if, if you're interested in those topics, it's on our website, it's, uh, it's on our podcast, and so you can go back and listen to those. But today I want to talk about pressure, pressure, learning to choose purpose over pressure. Now this is a big one, because pres pressure is a big deal, like it, it impacts us in great ways, and so there's, there's positive and negative pressure. Uh, I was thinking about pressure situations this week, and this is sort of random, but like I remember the first time I used eBay, <laughs> and and so now you use eBay if if you've used it recently, it's uh, it's an app, and it's actually kind of useful for getting things like video games and electronics or anything like that. You can so you just and and, and but eBay started as auction only. You could only bid. That's the way it started out. Now you can do buy it now, or you can you know, just message the buyer, be like, I want to spend this much. They're like, all right, and that's it. That's it. And so it's easy to do, uh, but it started out auction only. And, and just out of college, I needed a video camera. Uh, and this is pre-phones. I have your great video cameras on it now. <laughs> but I wanted to do video stuff, and I had to quit borrowing other people's things. So I bid on one, and I was totally naive stupid, whatever you want to call it, and got, you know, the bid kept getting pushed up, pushed up, and I remember the cost that, that I got it for was $300, and when I got it, I was very excited, and then reality set in, and I was like, wait a minute, I just bid, I looked it up, uh, you'd be like, why didn't you do this before, again, um, and I paid more for a used camera than I could have just got one new, I think, I think that's what ended up happening, but the pressure and the intensity of the moment pushed me up higher, and I learned a good lesson that day, <laughs> and uh, it was a good video camera, thankfully. So there you go. But like, it's amazing what pressure will lead us to do, and what we know through research is, and you've, maybe you've seen this before, I think it's the frontal lobe, the part of your brain that does all your thinking, uh, when you are under intense pressure, that begins to shut off. Did you know that? <laughs> 
And, if, and that's why if you've seen, there's videos on the street of people yelling at others and others, and like, and just there's such pressure, they can't, you can't think anymore. And you're like, oh, that's why I did. <laughs> and, and so that happens. And so we have to learn to be ready for pressure and to, to deal with it. Now, pressure is a good, good thing, too. Like, I think here in the city, we thrive on pressure. Like, we love it. Um, there's a sec- certain level of excellence that happens when you're in a city like New York because you've got the best of, you've got every industry here, essentially, from all over the world, some of the top professionals, and all of that impacts us. And I think one of the reasons why we are here is we love that. There's great competition. The city raises the bar. The price of living here, everything is so high. So you have to find a way. You have to find a way to make it work. And we do, and there's, there's some, we love that. There's deadlines of pressure, pressure for deadlines are good. Last week we talked about sometimes setting an artificial deadline creates good pressure for you to focus on what's important. But we also have negative pressure. And one of the, one of the things we love to focus on when it comes to negative pressure is social media and whether it's Instagram, TikTok, or whatever it may be. But the reality is that's just a, a tool that we have that brings about something that's always been around us. And that's pressure from others. And I would say there's three areas where pressure really affects us. And they're, they're all kind of related, but it's, it's people, people that you live and work around, you engage with, media, and culture. And culture, it really just embodies that. Or media embodies culture. But culture around you is incredibly powerful for good and, and for bad. And many times we just kind of go about our lives and we just kind of get pushed along with whatever's going on. And unless you understand and have an idea of, of the purpose in which you stand upon, you're just going to be constantly making new decisions, new choices, and be pushed in many different ways. And so the hardest side of pressure comes from others. And then you'll, you'll end up having struggles, like with work. You'll be suddenly pushed to make decisions you swore you would never do. You compromise a value that you had so strongly at one point in time. But if your identity is in your work and your job, and then you have the the pressure come in for for a promotion or upward movement or a raise, whatever it may be, and to to get that, you've got to do whatever this is that maybe you have never have done. But you'll do it. You'll do it. Because you can't stomach what, what happened with the other. It could, be, it could be, you know, people don't view you as the way you want to be viewed, or you'll feel destroyed, like you, you won't have an identity anymore. Or you could have to leave the job because of the decisions you're making. I had, there's a tendency that, that someone I knew well that was with us in the past that made a decision like this and ended up having to leave their job. And that was a negative impact on, on him and his family. And over time, he landed on his feet, but there were, he took a hit for making a call. How do, you, how do you make a decision like that? That is not easy to, you, to do, to make a decision on principle. On Mother's Day, moms, this is such a huge conversation. I know because I, I talk with my wife all the time. There's this thing, and it's a real thing called mom guilt, where you long to, to love your family your kids, your spouse, and others. And there's this pressure to, to provide kids with the right food and a good schedule or be in the, the right school. And then if you like, 
You serve him hot dogs several times a week. You do something like, oh, like, and then you'll see a post of somebody, this gourmet meal, they serve their kids. You're like, I'm not doing everything that I should be doing or just keeping this schedule. There's guilt. If you work full time, you're like, oh, I don't have time to be with my kids as much as I'd like to. Or if you don't work full time, maybe I'm not able to to provide in a way that they need. And so no matter what decision you make, you feel tension and guilt and there's all this pressure. If you're a new mom, like you get overwhelmed by these things. And there's summer activities and, and how much, how, how well educated are they? And, and like in, in Jersey City schools here, get a little interesting. And like there's just this pressure. It's tough to make good decisions. I know for me personally, that, like I, I want people to like me. <laughs> and and I, I, I like to be approved by others. And so if I have to have a hard conversation, being a leader, being a pastor, sometimes you engage that, a, and I just want to shrink back. And, and talking about who Christ is and making decisions that sometimes go against culture, I worry if people don't like me. And so how do, how do you step forward? So what I want to do today is I want to walk us through three kind of foundations to, to, you know, that, help, that impact pressure. And then we'll end with just a couple of practical things that we can do. And so how, how do you decide what to do when it comes to these things? So let's walk through this. The first one, I've kind of already alluded to it, is this. Living for the approval of people keeps you from the purpose for which you are made. So it's not like approval is bad. There's positive and negative things of everything that we do. But when you live for that... It's going to keep you from the purpose for which you were made. Because at some point, you can't please everybody. I don't know if you knew that or not. And so, well, how do you decide? Well, you must choose purpose over pressure. We're going to choose purpose over pressure. And this is important because the bulk of the major, major decisions in your life will come from one of these foundations. You're, either gonna, you're gonna either make a decision based on the purposes for you or the pressure. And the pressure is more urgent for you. So I just wanna look at these examples. This is something that's really addressed a lot in scripture. <laughs> How do you make a purposeful decision, especially when it creates a more negative interaction in your life? So I just wanna look at these examples that we have of, of, of figures throughout scripture. I'm going to look at Esther. We'll start with Esther. Esther uh, was thrown into an incredible situation where this, this king, this ruler of this entire region, um, out of his anger, disposed of his wife, like says, sorry, and then he's going to get a new queen, a new wife. Disposed is a really terrible word to use. I'm sorry, like, but he essentially divorced her. And and so Esther was part of this, and this is an insane system, this is, but she was part of this group of women that were essentially, it's like a competition. Uh, there are actually modern things like that happening right now, every, anyway, on TV. But there's a competition to become the queen, and she becomes the queen. And God put her in a favored position because soon after that, her people, the nation of Israel, uh, were going to be put to death by an, an evil guy in their kingdom who hated them. And so... She was suddenly faced with a really hard decision that could possibly cost her life. And so her uncle who raised her says this to her. He says, do you not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape? 
For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place. But you and your father's family will also perish. And who knows, this is a famous phrase in scripture, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And so what was so significant about this? Well, she was a queen, but she served a really interesting guy. And she wasn't even allowed to go talk to him. And the, the roles of the time, if you were not asked to go before the king, if you went before him, you could die. And that happened. He would just get a new queen. That's why she was in place. And so for her to go and to make a request was significant. And so her reply was this. She says, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I, I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Well, that's a significant moment for your life to suddenly be in. Go to Daniel. In Daniel, we see uh, that he was a follower of God, and he had been captured, and, and he was a part of this, uh, the kingdom of Babylon, and he was considered to be wise and a young man. And so the king had pulled all these men into his service, and, and all these leaders that are part of his kingdom were jealous of him. And so they found a way to, to make a law that went against who his God was and serving his God. And so it says, it says, Give orders for the next 30 days for any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty. This is these leaders going before the king. He says, he says Anybody who does this will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, it is issue and to sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the, the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law, and they did this knowing it would innocently trap Daniel. So what does he do? Well, he continued in principle for what had given him purpose in life. It says, but when Daniel learned of the law, had learned it had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Abraham. Abraham in Genesis, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. God was in beginning to engage with Abraham and beginning to make promises of stuff that he did not know about. It says he, and God says to him, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He and his wife famously were barren. And he was like, how is this going to happen? So Abram goes before God later on and says, Sovereign Lord, who can give me... He says, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir, which is the tradition of the time. If they couldn't have a child, the servant would inherit everything that they had. So it says, God took him outside and said, look up to the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. 
And we read this now, we're like, yeah, no big deal. Like, we believe that. But this is something that had never happened before, that didn't exist. So Abram's response was this. Is Abram believed the Lord, and God credited it to him as righteousness. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Romans. He says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteousness, as righteous, excuse me. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. He recorded this for us to know too, for our benefit, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus the Lord from the dead. And so we are, we're seeing this. God wants us to know these things. He wants us to know that we can trust him because it's not always easy to do. And Paul begins to talk about Christ. He says, Christ was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God to seal all those promises he had made before. He says, therefore, since we have been made right with God, in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And this is what God is leading us towards, peace. Now, our decisions don't always lead to peace in our life. Sometimes they can make turmoil come up. But we make it from a decision of faith, knowing that God will be faithful. This is huge for us. This happened with others, with Mary. You know the story of Joseph and Mary when Christ came, the Christmas story. Well, if you've ever been with us at Christmas, we talk many times about how difficult this was for Mary to choose. The angel comes to Mary and says, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And the angel's coming to Mary to say, God's going to, the Holy Spirit's going to conceive the Son of God in you. And Mary's answer was, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. This happened with Moses. Moses had been adopted into the royal Egyptian kingdom. He had all the comforts of the world. He, had, he essentially had escaped slavery that his people were in, and he chose to reject that, to become like a servant. The scriptures say that he chose to be mistreated along with the people of the God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The early church endured incredible persecution. After Jesus' resurrection, after he ascended into heaven, they had seen God and knew he exists. He saw his resurrection, everything. And Peter says, says Peter and the other apostles, when they are facing persecution, says we must obey God rather than human beings. What in the world gave all of these women and men the strength to make a decision when their reputation, their life, livelihood, everything was on the line? What do you do? Well, for every one of them, there was something better. Someone better. And it gave them the strength, many of them facing death, and so to which 
I get it. Maybe your mind's already going there. You say, okay, yeah, these were really big life moments. Like, it's kind of obvious this is what would happen. But this is, here's the thing, that every one of them were living a life of decisions that they had a foundation of these principles of this purpose that led them to this. This is interesting. Like, when we think about someone like Martin Luther King Jr., we think, well, he just, well, this is an obvious thing. He stood for justice, but it was a whole life that had led him to that, a community that had been around him, a purpose and principles that he stood on, a foundation of faith that was critical for him. And this is the same for you and I. Our little decisions lead to these bigger moments, and it's not the other way around. And so the approval of people will keep us, living for the approval of people will keep us from the purpose for which you were made. And so this leads us then into the second, the second part for us, which is how you live now determines who you are becoming. And this may be the most important part that I, that I, I talk about today. It's how you live now determines who you are becoming. And I think this is kind of like a hidden principle in life. Because if you're like me, we say, okay, I get through this season, I do this now, then I'll do, and you fill in the blank. At this point in time, I'll do this. And we don't realize that everything that we're doing along the way is, is changing us. We're becoming that. We are sowing into who we're going to be in the future. What you do with your time, the work habits you're developing. Now, you can say, yeah, I've got a season of busyness. And, if, and that's true. Like, there's, a, there's times in our life where we just, we, we have a period where it's like that. It's, it's fully engaged, maybe in, in extraordinary ways. But at some point, you have to have a very purposeful plan. You need a community around you that helps you step down from that. There can be these short moments like that. But we need to be careful and say, what is the foundation that I'm making all these decisions upon? What's driving me? Your time, your work habits, your parenting, parents. We have such a short window. Now, now parents of toddlers, we have a lot of, of preschoolers and toddlers and babies in our church family right now. And so, like, I don't know, one day feels like a week. <laughs> Parents, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, this happened for me once upon a time. Like, toddler years feel like, you know, 20 years of your life. And I get that. But believe it or not, that time is fleeting. Especially when they get to elementary school. Then, then the, the clock begins to speed up. And so one of the reasons that we have our kids' programs here on Sunday, we don't just want to create a place to babysit your kids. We want to partner with you. We are purposeful in how we engage them. Parents, are you leading your kids towards God? One of the things we love to do with our curriculum is, is give, we give, every month we give you materials. We give you things to, to do that help you engage your kids in a conversation about God. That's not easy for us to do. We want to partner with you. We care about who your kids are becoming, and we can't do that alone. We need each other. Parents, that's not going to happen one day. It starts now. It starts now. 
how you, every one of us live financially, the money that we invest, the debt that we take on, all these things. How you live now determines who you are becoming. In Hebrews, it goes on to say this. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of the sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So there's choices that we make to impact our future. And the foundation you're making these choices from is what happens. So what are you standing on? What is your purpose? And that leads us to the third thing, is your purpose is rooted in your identity. Or maybe it's the other way around. It kind of works both ways. Your identity, your identity is rooted in your purpose. For everyone we just read about, their identity was in Christ. Their identity was in Christ. And and we look at their lives. Their lives were continually this journey of following him, and it led to these bigger moments. It was in the promised Messiah who was to come, even if they never saw the reward in the now. And the scriptures help us see and show us and, and remind us that many of them never saw the outcome that God had called them to. But they knew that life right now was not all that there was. And so our identity, if our identity is rooted in God, then it leads us towards purpose. If it's in a job or in a marriage or if my identity is in a relationship or in, in, in sex or my, my family, my parents, or in my identity is in successful kids or my identity is in financial security, if any one of those dominoes fall, if a relationship goes sour or we in the bad patch in our relationship or if my job takes a downturn, whatever it may be, then I crash. And all these things are constantly changing in our lives. Culture is always saying there's a different way to go about this. And so we're constantly changing. And these, these areas will direct your decision. And so if we don't have a purpose in which we stand upon, all these things just kind of constantly move us up and down. And so that's what we're learning to trust God and have something to stand upon. It gives us the strength to say no or yes. And this is why you're invited into this journey towards Christ, because in him we have that foundation. And little decisions lead to these one-day moments. In parenting, whether you don't worry about a school or you don't go in every activity, you take time for rest. That's a hard one for us to do. We're learning to say no. Or we keep our kids from engaging in things that they really want to. There's pressure around that. In In a marriage or the media that we consume or the jobs that we take. So how do you do this? Well, let me end these last couple minutes with some, some three, really three purposeful steps. One is purpose diminishes distractions. Purpose diminishes distractions. One of our biggest distractions is comparing, is comparing. We look at someone and say, man, this person already finished school or they had this status or this degree, whatever it may be. We say, he's making more money than I am. 
uh, or all my friends are, are already married, or they have all these different things, or I don't, I don't have my, I don't own a house yet. I feel like I'm way behind our purpose. If we say, nope, this is what I'm focused towards. God is leading my life. I can trust him. And we begin to pursue Christ and let him be that. That begins to help diminish these distractions. These things will lead us and we'll just chase them. We chase the Frankenstein. We put all these people together and we compare them and act like we think everybody's got it all together in this way. It keeps us focused. Purpose diminishes distraction. Purpose pushes you through pain. This is something we saw in every one of these stories. They had a painful, scary, sometimes decision to make. Many times a pathway to a purpose is paved with pain. It's a common theme in all of these stories. Moses, David, I could throw others in, Nehemiah, there's Esther and Mary, even Christ. If you follow God, at some point it will clash with culture around us. Others won't like it or they won't understand. Our purpose pushes you through pain. And then purpose empowers you to please God. It empowers you to please God. When Pharaoh tried to stop Moses, Moses wasn't deterred. Then the people complained to Moses. <laughs> Moses stayed on task. That happened a lot. It was, he was a great leader. Purpose empowers you to please God. I think about Esther. Esther chose to give up her life. She chose to please God instead of the pressure of the king. I can't imagine how hard that would have been. And God used it for a great purpose. And God saved her and her people. He used the very problem that she faced to rescue them. I love that. For me, when I'm focused on pleasing others, what I find is I make bad decisions. Pressure leads me to bid, way overbid on the camera on eBay <laughs> and hurt my relationships. How do I say no to someone? How do I go against what other parents are doing or other friends are doing? Or how do I make a decision that hurts me causes me to cry or hurt and pain, it's, it's because of my love for Christ. My purpose, my identity is ultimately in Him. For my wife and I, it's the rock of our marriage. When we let each other down, which happens every month, our identity is in Christ, and He's the one that sustains us and rescues us. For the moms here today, He's the one that you can go to for your strength. That is our purpose. You are invited into that type of relationship. And that's what Jesus is inviting us towards, is to pursue him. So how do you take steps to love God in your life and make time for him? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this message. And there's a lot of words spoken, a lot of points today. And I just pray that we would just rest in you. Father, our lives are difficult. And I pray that we would trust you. I pray, Father, for the strength today to rest in the peace that comes 
and knowing that you are leading us in a direction for something that never ends, that will last forever. Father, we thank you for this day, and we ask all of this in your name. Amen.